today on the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Social media, by definition, requires constant attention. The people that are good at social media never stop. If I bring my phone to the dinner table, which I can do, I'm obviously communicating to the rest of the family that they are now taking a back seat on the priority of my, my time and my energy. And if there's anything I think people should get out of this podcast today, that stuff has got to be turned off if we're going to really see God. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast, a lively discussion about how to follow Jesus in secular culture. I am happy to announce that all three regulars, including myself, are here today. So we have David Pierce, founder of the worldwide missions organization Steiger and the band No Longer Music, Chad Ochocinco Johnson, founder of Come and Live, and for the first time in maybe a month, Luke Greenwood, the European <laughs> podcasters. I have Luke. missed you. Yes, and they presumably have missed you as well. Yep. Uh, anyway, so welcome to our podcast. Thank you, everyone that has supported us in our journey thus far. Uh, if you have not yet rated and or reviewed the podcast, consider doing that. I think we actually have one uh, that Chad. I, I, I don't know if you're ready. Assume you're ready for uh, that. We're going to read at some point here. Yep. Um, but Pulling before we, we do that. I want to uh, salute some people. We launched a Patreon page. Uh, Patreon is a crowdfunding source or site where you can come and it's subscription-based. It's like a membership. You can support content and content creators uh, so that they can do what they feel led to do. In our case, produce this podcast. Uh, And we have every week uh, people have been signing up. Um, helping us get closer to our goal of $500 a month to cover uh, the basic expenses of this podcast. Uh, and so we have three people to salute this week. We have Brad Morris, Julie Jaderston, and Jason Billis. Oh, I hope I said that right. Oh, oh no. Basel? Well, yeah, he, Steve's pointing at his thing like I'm looking at his thing. What I'm not I- looking at your thing, and all I had was Jason Bill. Jason, say it again. Bissell. Okay. Jason Bissell, I apologize. Do it again. You have to re salute him if you say it wrong. Jason Bissell, we salute you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Uh, Sorry for butchering your name, Jason. I truly do appreciate your support. Hey, I want to know, is Julie Julie. Jaderson, is is she sponsoring (laughs) a random story or just, or what? Uh, We'll get to that. But anyway, thank you guys. Thank you guys for for becoming patrons of ours. Uh, If you want to join this uh, community of supporters, you can still do that. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Slash provoke and inspire. All one word. You got to get it all in there. Uh, you can find out how you can join us as a patron. Anyhow, man, I'm doing a lot of talking and everyone's looking very fidgety on my monitor over here. Uh, set list for today. We have David's random story brought to you by Julie Jaderson. Uh, we, have, we have punching That's through the right, awkward. Because, because more people care about the random story than they do about Punching through the the awkward. I don't think that's true. Survey says (laughs) uh, we have punching through the awkward. Brought to you by Brad Morris and Jason Bissell. I actually have your full name out here, so thank you, Jason and Brad. I feel great. And uh, the main topic is we're going to look at the age of hyperconnectivity. Is this a powerful tool? Is this harmless fun? Or is this a grave danger? We will talk about that. Anyhow, well, no, 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 sorry. One last thing. I promise, boys, this is important. Uh, We mentioned last week that we, uh, on the very serious, very um, intense topic uh, of abortion, that we would, that we needed, that we desperately needed a female perspective on this. Um, This is, of course, critical to have. And so uh, Jody Pierce will be uh, recording a, a special edition podcast with me on Friday. We'll release it shortly the next week. Uh, so uh, that'll be released as a bonus episode where you will get um, a very wise perspective on this this devastating issue. Um, so look forward to that. Anyway, let's get this show on the road. David's Random Story. So anyway, I don't know. Do you guys know about the Toronto Blessing? Yeah, I'm yes. aware of it. Go on. Yeah, it was a, while, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But uh, it was anyway, before so, I was born. <laughs> yeah, it was like when Luke was. I don't just think it was that long ago, thought. but 
I mean, he was like a vapor in the swamp. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I was Mist speaking in, in London. I, I, w- I was speaking in London right when this was happening, and it was like a big controversy. Yes. Uh, so I was in the backstage, you know, at this big conference, and there was all these leaders there, mm-hmm. and there was one leader that was really into it. He thought it was really, really a good thing. And then there was another leader there that thought it was not a good thing. And so they're having kind of this, this, uh, friendly, this friendly discussion, discussion backstage. And then, so then one of them says to the other, I, I just feel like God wants me to spit on you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was, this, was this guy blind by chance? That, so, so then, oh. so then the other guy, I can't say who the names of these people, but they're quite well known. But anyway, so the, uh, so the other guy goes, if you spit on me, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and this is at a, this is at a conference wow. just before they're going to speak. Wow. So, so the guy says, so he just, you know, he felt like God wanted him to spit on him. So he spit on him and they started rolling around <laughs> on the ground. These two speakers uh, fighting before the, before they had to go out on the stage of the conference. And so I guess, I, I guess the moral to the story is, you know, if you feel like God is wanting you to spit on somebody, you need to do it for sure. Wow. That is yeah. uh, that is both alarming and entertaining all at the same time. Did you time. like that? Did you like that one? Yeah, yeah that's random story. I really practical. did. Thank you, David. It's for you, Julie. It's for you. Yeah, yeah. That I hope you enjoyed <laughs> sponsoring that segment. I'm sure you did. If nothing, out of you know nepotism. Does nepotism work when it comes to siblings? I don't know. Uh, anyway, yeah, Julie, Julie's my sister. For all you listeners out there, so <laughs> you said because... losers for a second. It had that slang <laughs> to it. But well, all you losers that sponsor Chad is what no, I'm trying to no say. No, no way. You mean the, mo- yeah. the most? I'm going to ask my mother to sponsor planet. me on this yeah. podcast. Yeah, you don't have you don't have a. She mother, could sponsor Luke, you one quid for a moment of silence. <laughs> That's right. The moment, That's right. Who <laughs> wants to sponsor the moment of silence? And a barrel of used like, tea bags. Yeah. What? Hey. What? That is a good question, though. How come you and Luke don't have your own like sponsorship? Because sections? one of the survey responses. Yeah, we got no, was to not not overly segment ourselves, and that we no, are already no, no. running up against one. that edge. But you don't need a you don't my, need a segment. I have it's... one. Okay, no, mine's gonna be like this: when there when one thousand people sponsor it, a hundred dollars each, we will do a minute of silence. That's my minute of silence. Wow, That's yes, the it'll be called the golden minute. Yes. <laughs> oh, never will we have been so informed by so little. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, segueing to uh, a critical message uh, about our mission in general. So this podcast is part of a larger missions organization called Steiger. We are all missionaries of uh, this organization, and our heart is to reach and disciple the global youth culture, so people outside of the church. How we do that is by establishing city teams and urban centers uh, who do ongoing outreach and discipleship to that city. Uh, so we have cities functioning. Look, how many cities do we have right now? Well, um, city teams, 12, I should probably I specify. Like that. We're not playing risk. How many cities have we acquired to date? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 12. 12? Yeah, so we have 12 yeah. city teams. Our heart is to have 100, correct, by 2025? Yeah. So we want 100 city teams doing ongoing outreach and discipleship to people who would not ordinarily step foot into a church Uh But clearly, to meet this vision, not only do we need an extraordinary move of God's power, but we need people. We need people who feel a call, uh, who give their lives to this mission. Well, the way you can do that with us, the first step is to come to the Steiger Mission School. Uh, We have two running this summer. Uh, For the dates, you can go to steiger.org slash SMS. Um, And there you can find out about how you can apply, uh, more detail about the school. But it's an incredible time of seeking God learning from relevant experts on the field who've given their lives to reaching people. Um, It's an amazing time. You'll get practical experience putting what you learn into practice. Uh, So if you want to help us get to that goal of 100 city teams by 2025, maybe you need to pray about taking that first step of, uh, of coming to the mission school this summer. Anyhow... Punching through the awkward with Chad... 
Johnson. Brought to you by Brad Morris and Jason Bissell. <laughs> All right, so here we go. 46 customer reviews. The most recent one is titled More Essential Than Coffee by S.K. Helton. Thank you, Seth. I first heard about Come and Live through the band Ascend the Hill, as did many others. Uh, ever since I've been so blessed by their content, especially love the Columbia documentary. This podcast is so engaging and so quickly gets beyond the surface level Christianity that most people think they should talk about. I love their authenticity and their willingness to engage in real kingdom conversations. Seth. Boom. Thank you, Thank Seth. Thank you, Seth. Nice. That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks, he's also Seth. a patron, so you get a double salute. <laughs> and a hundalashunda. Hundalashunda. <laughs> Oh, and Seth, man. if you feel that just if you feel like you're supposed to spit on somebody today, spit I on, say, bro. Do it, spit do it, on. brother. Do it, spit just free. Spit. That's right. Spit away. Okay, so for this uh, for this week, I did have I have I had a plan, and then my plan got derailed because yesterday I had our dear friend Marcel Franco in town, all the way from Brazil slash Minneapolis. Yes. Minnesota. Is he supposed to be working for us? What's he doing? Yeah, yeah. He was. He's actually taking a. He's taking Delta up on his buddy pass or his uh, standby privileges, and he came he's down a, to Nashville for a couple of days. He's another freelance traveling missionary. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. exactly. An FML. Oh, I see. So, so, okay. so yesterday, Beth said, "Hey, can you go to the grocery store and get some supplies?" Which is another way of saying, "Can you go to the grocery store and get buy yourself face. a bunch of cool stuff that you don't really need?" And I said, "Sure." So I said, Marcel, he's never going to leave, right? He's never going to leave. No, no, I know. So we went to the grocery store and I was like, okay, man, I'm with Marcel. This is going to be awesome. And Marcel's just, you know, he's, he's like a a fellow risk taker and he was really inspired by the New Zealand documentary. So let's go. And, And the first person I see that I think this could be a great risk is a, is a older man in a wheelchair with a cane. And so I go up to him. And one of the ways that I try to just start conversations with people on the fly is I just say, hello, how are you? Just like a, as awkward as it gets, but I say, hello, how are you? And he must have seen my, my knuckle tattoos or something, but it must have oh, come the across love, more like, like, hello, can I steal from you? Because his response <laughs> to both of us was like, like we just freaked him out freaked so out. bad. I felt so guilty and and, oh, and ashamed. Oh I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Like, uh, <laughs> and I didn't know how to convert the like his fear and his the like the look in his eyes into like a Jesus moment. So I uh. just kept on walking and felt really bad. And then I was looking. I was supposed to find um, Mighty Mango Juice for Sydney, and so I'm over in this section, and there's there's this girl. That's like putting, she's stacking a bunch of the organic juices and I'm like looking around trying to find the right one. And I just said, Hey, how are you? And she said, I'm fine. I'm having a really good day actually. And I was like, Oh, anytime somebody talks back to me, responds to me, I feel like that's a possibility for a moment Mm. with the Lord and a a risk. And so I just kind of had this sense, um, as I was standing there that I should ask her about headaches and neck pain. And I, I said, Hey, do you have any, any, uh, like, do you have a headache or any stress? tension in your neck and she she's like like thinks about it for a little bit and then she's like yeah actually i do and she's still kind of like puzzled thinking about it and i was like oh well can i pray for you and she's like sure and so i marcel and i pray for her and um she's like yeah my my head and my neck do feel uh a little bit better and i was like okay and so i just said well i just want to encourage you <clears throat> excuse me jesus loves you so much and um, he totally knows what he's doing in your life and he's taking you you know i don't know i said i shared some nice things and she just like begins like acting really she's like this is the craziest thing ever and mm-hmm. she says last night she says i'm in recovery and last night the step uh, uh the 12 step recovery program that i'm in the second step was like me just getting down on my knees and asking god to to take over and she said i li- wow. i literally prayed this prayer i said jesus give me a sign that i'm on the right path like show me <laughs> that i'm on the right path and she said and then wow. you guys showed up and i said i'm so sorry that god didn't give you a better looking sign but at least he gave you a sign <laughs> and uh and she thought that was funny and wow. so marcel marcel's 
Marcel's quite hard to, to, to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, he is. His eyes yeah. especially are challenging. Is he facing you know, but, forward? Is it backwards? Yeah. But no, it was it was super cool because we pray, We were just able to speak life over her. We prayed for her. We continued encouraging her. Prophetic words for her. By the end, all her pain was gone. She's like, I, I, was, I was anxious, but all my anxiety's gone. I feel so excited. It's like Jesus showed up and answered my prayer from last night. And so as soon as wow. you hear... A, a story like that, you know, it's just so instantly that place where I kind of was awkward with the older man and not like not sure how to translate it into, into a risk. It just it ended up turning into 15 to 20 minutes at Publix at the grocery store and six or seven people that Marcel and I were able to pray for, encourage, cool. um, share words over. It was just super encouraging. Hmm. So the point, the takeaway, I guess I, I'd give to people is that. If you're willing to just take a little step, the first time, even if it feels like a tiny step that doesn't even work out, so often in that little step, God will honor it and he will bless it and he will give you a, a increase in just a desire, a opportunity or desire to then be able to, to step out for, for others. And so, yeah, anyway, it was, mm. it was awesome. Super sweet. Cool. That's, that's hey, cool. so cool. we, uh, in, in kind of, reflecting on the comments that we've had on this segment and you know chad just to encourage you people i hear all the time how encouraged people are by this how cool it's so nice how relatable it is um and and just on a kind of a quote-unquote street level how they can see putting a lot of what we talk about into practice in their own lives and so kind of on that note <clears throat> sorry um what we want to do is is have like a instagram story challenge related to this and so we want you to take risks. We want you to see God move in your life through this. So what we want you to do is this week, um, take your own risk. You don't have to film yeah. the risk itself, but take the risk. Ask God to move through you, um, whether it goes great, whether you fall on your face. Either way, we'd love to hear about it. So if you can actually record a story on Instagram um, or just write it as a post on our, our Provoke and Inspire Community Facebook page, um, preferably the story, though, um, share what God did. Tell us about it. Um, if you have to do multiple stories to make it work because it's quite a short time frame, that's fine. Just make sure you you uh, tag come and live and you hashtag provoke and inspire. And then as those come in, we would love to share some of those on this podcast to kind of continue uh, this organic uh, initiative of, of taking risks in our daily lives because that's really what the whole point of this is to get you involved to not just have this be four dudes talking nonsense. Right, David? Yeah. Yeah. I mean um... – I just want to, you know, sometimes if you say I'm going to do this to a bunch of people, then it helps you to, to do it. And so that's right. what I'm, that's what I want to do right now, because I go every week to this pretty, pretty uh, cool hipster cafe to, to pray with this, with this friend. You know, we go every week and we go on a prayer walk together and there's uh it's, it's run by these kind of really uh, alternative lesbian girls. Is and, that the uh, Paikokariki Cafe? It is it's actually, Yes. Yeah, it is. It's pretty. Love so, that place. Uh, yeah, me too. But it's like, I just, I've just felt really convicted that I go there and I haven't shared Jesus with them and they're not super friendly. You know, I've tried really hard to, to reach out to them and they don't really react too well. Um, and I've used that as my excuse hmm. to not try to engage them in a deeper way. But so here I'm saying to all, everybody, um, I am not going to listen to that and I'm going to just jump in the water and, and try to share Jesus with them. And cool. uh, so there you go. I'm just saying it so that I have this accountability. Yeah. yeah the no, that, the first good. thought that comes to me, David, uh, in a situation like that, and I learned this actually from Jody, who Ben, you're going to be talking to in a couple of days. But when I was, the, I think it was maybe the first or the second time I was at SMS. Uh, I remember there yeah. was a neighbor uh, right near, right. As like you kind of that main street that bring, takes oh, yeah. you into the, the guardian the of the fruit. And, uh, yeah. and I remember uh -huh. that, uh, that she, you know, I think she really struggled if my memory serves me right with, with the whole thing, everybody and, you know, noise and all of it. Yeah. yeah. And so right. yeah. I thought, I kind of felt like what you did. I was like, man, this is a lost cause, you know, like this, you can't right, like, right, right, there's right. like a hundred people from all over the world making noise all times day and night. And like, they look funny and dreadlocks and tattoos and you got this sweet lady that's just trying Bazookas, to live her life. High top tables, dancing <laughs> shoes, cummerbunds. Uh, but uh, a guy with a 
A guy with a forehead that communicates in outer space. Yeah, yeah, it was so wild. But I remember Jody. If I again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was this lady's birthday, and Jody brought her a birthday cake, and like all of us came and like sang happy birthday yeah. to her. And from that point on, wow. it was like she was cool. And so maybe, maybe the first step for you is to is to pray about Lord. What is there some kind of gift that okay. I ought to bring? That would just kind of break oh. the ice a little bit or like, hey, the because yeah, sometimes it's like narrative. people struggle to receive, hey, Jesus loves you as a plan for you because they think, oh, right, Republican, right. whatever. My, I don't know. That was just a thought. You can pray about it. And because do you look you like a real straight laced Republican. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Mean, <laughs> well, you know, but it doesn't always. Well, work in New out. Zealand, in New Zealand, they don't yeah. uh, have Republicans. But oh, that's I, true. I agree with you, <laughs> that's Chad. True. That would be a. Just I, that's a, a thought. great, great Just advice. I'll, I'll, All right, let me let me yeah. segue us, or we yeah, will yeah. be. Segue this away. is great. This is great. And uh, so, moving on to our main main topic, um, it is in a sense a continuation of the series that I keep trying to launch, and it's sort of uh, like a NASA launch. It just kind of fails. I don't know if that's too soon. I don't even know. Uh, but anyway, we want to talk now about a characteristic of the global youth culture that, to be honest, the more I looked into, really kind of is a characteristic of culture at large. And that is the age of hyperconnectivity that we are in. Uh, is this a powerful tool? Probably yes. Is this harmless fun, maybe on some levels? Or is this a grave danger to us? And I want to kind of unpack that. Um, and, and it might end up being more than one podcast because there's a whole segment of this of how can we leverage this for the purpose of the gospel. And I think that's a worthy discussion for sure. But I think where most of us are at, at least where I'm at, is, is just watching this whole thing unfold before us in real time and trying to catch up with it and, and ask myself the question, how do I feel about it? How do I feel about it in my own family, in my own life? I mean, it's needless to say, I mean, we live in a crazy connected time. I mean, we have more than a billion Instagram users now, 2.23 billion Facebook uh, monthly users. The average American spends over 11 hours a day consuming media. Um, a study in the UK showed that those aged between 16 and 24 spend an average of 27 hours online per week, um, which is significantly increased. Uh, there's another study that showed young Australians spend up to 10 hours a day on an internet-connected device. Um, Crazy. The odd part was that in my research, it, it, millennials are not even the worst. It says that in, in the US, at least, Gen Xers... They spend 32 hours on average a week consuming media, while wow. millennials, on average, apparently 27 hours. Um, and so the question is, clearly this is a thing, right? Worldwide, we are connected because of data, because of cell phones, because of smartphones and the internet, Wi-Fi. We are constantly on. And so, Luke, what is your – how do you view this when you reflect mm -hmm. on the age that we live on? in and the impact it has on you and your community and the world around you. What, what do you think about this? What's your reaction to it? Well, first of all, for me, I think it, it's really interesting to realize how much it's changed our culture and it's yeah. easy to go into the negative stuff about it, like how it affects us. And there's tons of that. And I'm sure we're going to get into that as well, but also just to realize some of the basic just reality of it, that it's changed the way we communicate and it's changed the way culture develops. And that for me is fascinating because if you think about the way culture used to develop, like even me growing up as a kid in Brazil, um, culture would be shared in family or in traditions. And maybe a hundred years ago, that's how it was. Um, and so you would learn how to react to stuff, how to live in this world, what's important, what's valuable through your family and through your you know, background, history, culture, whatever of your country. And this has totally changed now because it's become this situation where trends are set online globally rather than just locally. And the stuff we hear online, the stories we hear mold our culture mm. and the way we react to things more than the local stuff, the family traditions and all that kind of thing. So that's number one. It changes things. But I think also to realize that even though like there's tons of things that affects us negatively, but also just to realize there's, there's, there's cool aspects of that. I mean, the fact that we can be so connected, the fact that we can do this that we're doing right yes, now yeah. and communicate yeah, from yeah. other countries um, to be connected with everybody around the world and to, to see that that also brings social change. I mean, thinking about some of the social media movements like, I don't know, the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter or even going a bit further back and, and how the Arab Spring was, was you know, yeah. or a lot of Facebook the movements that happened were social media, you know, oriented 
meditated or guided. And so there's this explosion of stuff going on, of communication and change that is, in, on one hand, it's cool to be part of. And, and it's like an exciting time, you know, in some ways. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I, to be clear, like we, you know, we have a decent range of ages here. Um, you and I, Luke, are on the sort of the tail end of millennials. But I, I, this isn't, to me, this isn't like a, you know, I feel like the 50s of, television's rotten my brain and you can't use them symbols in rock and roll like i know i yeah, get but they're that all there on a... facebook now though aren't they all the all the 50 year olds they're well all that, on that's facebook. the irony of it is that <laughs> i feel like like that generation is like the mo- the worst offender when it comes to facebook now it's like right. but so it's not it's not just a um sort of a cliche rejection of the era that we live in i think most of my points are are related to being conscious of what it's doing being right. living intentionally because i think the problem is i think it is fairly uh you can't really argue with the fact that technology is exponentiating and there was a pace to technology that was a little bit more manageable but we've now come into a point where i'm buying new technology before even understanding what the old technology did mm-hmm. i'm things are changing faster than i can even react to it so i think a part of it is living, reflecting on what is happening around me as best as I can, because it's happening so fast, I'm not sure we really can, and not just reflexively absorbing all of it. Yes, leveraging it for good, but also recognizing the potential harm. I mean, David, what what are sort of your reactions to the, the era that, that we now live in? Well, I, I I don't like how I feel so attached to my phone. It's really weird. It's like... Uh, or when when I go out with people, or or even when I go out with Jody, my wife, how we have to fight not to just sit in a cafe and and there's always something that it seems like it needs our attention on you know online and it's just really it's a bad feeling. It's like it's like the phone has become physically a part of my body. Mm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And I, I remember I think that was like the when intention. we yeah. What there's actually there's actually a term for it. It's machino attached syndrome. Oh. And it's wow. mass, if you will. It's when a device starts <laughs> to change your ability to function or do physical work, such as organic garden care. Wow, that's very specific. Oh, wow. Man, I was about to go do some organic garden care and just yeah. got sucked, so sucked that's why, in by yeah, Instagram. So there's a, whole, there's a whole lack of that now. Um, right, there's not enough because, organic garden care going on anymore. No. I know that's because, the first area felt need for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. where are the tomatoes at, yo? <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I don't like it. It's like, and I yeah. feel addicted, I'm, to be honest. But at the same time, I think with what I do, I have to be online. I mean, don't I? I mean, I kept people, I don't know. It's it's a bad thing. And I have this thing that goes on my phone. It tells me how much I've been on my phone. Well, every that's day. everyone now. That? Apple, ironically, Apple put that in there. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like. You have used screen, this much heroin time. this week. Why? Why do they do that? Why do they do that anyway? I, they to wanna, be socially I think, responsible. Yeah, exactly. They just want to react. Everybody's saying this is bad. This is bad. And they're saying, "Oh yeah, we know." So we're, okay, we're so to help. <laughs> all right, so I'm getting. It says that I'm doing two and a half hours a day on my phone. Ooh, so what nothing. are you guys getting? Three, that's pretty good. I'm doing that's three hours good. and sixteen minutes per day on my phone. I'm really. I think I my last one was six or seven hours a day. Seriously? Yeah. yeah, but it counts things like dry, every time I anyway, I can get into the excuses, but this is getting so a little I'm, bit detailed. So I you're good, David. Yeah, you're doing, dude, you're doing awesome. Yeah, David. you're doing. And I'm, you're a hero. And the ironic, the ironic thing about that is I do way more work than any of you guys put together. And yet, so okay, able, so before I segue us to something more relevant, uh, so here's the here's the let me let me just establish the gauntlet. One week. By Thursday, I want one week, and I, we're going to see who has the least amount of phone usage in a week. Wait, you I mean already by, won. You, no, no. What do you mean no, by Thursday? From this point forward, this is about All right. tomorrow. All right. This is about the hope of the children and the future before so us. next Thursday. So we're gonna, how about our listeners? They need to do it, too. Yeah, yeah. So post your phone usage, and let's shame yeah. each other. Let's let shame <laughs> be the greatest motivator. Yeah, yeah. That'll work. That'll uh, no. Work wonders, Chad, sure. what, like even as you've sort of lived in a – and I have, honestly, as well, in sort of a pre-digital – now, post-digital reality, mm-hmm. um, one of the points that, for me, is that you hear a lot is the loneliness epidemic, the erosion of community. What, yeah. Even in your own life or in your perception of the culture around you, how has this affected community? And is this something that we should be aware of and, and concerned about? 
Well, yeah, I think for me to make it a little more personal, um, I was in Australia several years ago speaking with some of the bad Christian guys uh, along with a... Wait a minute. You need to explain that to some of our listeners, I was Chad. Well, I was speaking on a panel, like a, like a Q&A live panel interview on whether or not social media was harmful or helpful. And so it was me, okay. a couple of the guys from Bad Christian, the Bad Christian podcast, and- which is a, which is a which is a podcast. In not a lot, of, not everyone knows the Wait, Bad okay. Christian podcast. Okay, stop giving commentary. <laughs> all right, let the guy right. talk. Sorry. And there was a Sorry, guy. I just, there was also it's like I'm a, getting the director's cut. The, Let the man speak. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> there was an expert on uh, social media addiction, and I. And so one of the things they asked us to do was explain our social media habits. And I said at the time, I, I, before I went to bed, I look at, at Instagram. If I went up, if I got up to go pee in the night, which I usually would do, I would open up Instagram and scroll through it. And then first thing when I wake up, I would go through Instagram. And the guy looked over at me and he said, you are officially, by my estimation, social media addicted. And so <laughs> I came home and he said, the one thing you ought to consider doing, and I've probably already shared this on here, but it relates to this, to this conversation is to, to charge your phone in a different room. And so my, my whole family thought I could never do that, but I came home and I started charging my iPhone in the kitchen and just about a month ago. So almost for three years, I charged my phone in the kitchen and just about a month ago, I thought, you know what? I no longer... Uh, spend anywhere near the kind of time I once did on Instagram. So I'm going to start using mm. it as an alarm again, which which has worked out great. But for me, yeah. I just needed to take a step completely back. I, I began social media fasting. Uh, I started posting way less and it felt like it felt like I was actually a bad person, you know, like, man, I'm a horrible missionary because people support me and, and my work and my family and if I don't tell them we what I'm doing all over the world, food. like, will they still even support us? Or like, yeah. will people even know that I'm still like alive? And so it, it actually felt really, really weird, but, but it was a super liberating exercise and experience for me Yeah, uh, that I'm still kind of slowly, I just don't feel, I feel like I've been really freed from a lot of the pressure to, to be uh, constantly posting and constantly but- um, but Ben, just going like, back to the question, because this is a real chance, because it's on one side, it's the addiction thing that you guys are talking about. And then on the other hand, Ben, you're bringing up the point of like how it changes the way we relate to each other and the loneliness and that whole thing. And and that is yeah. complicated yeah, because yeah. it also like there's two aspects of it for me. One is they and there are researchers that have been showing this, that people get this feeling or this sense that they're missing out. And maybe it's kind of similar to what you were saying, Chad, like, uh, do people know in my lives? Do they know what, what's going on? But yeah. we also get that feeling of like, man, somebody's doing something cool and I'm not hearing about it. There's something amazing happening out there. I'm missing out. And so yeah. you get that feeling. So you I don't know it, about it, it. It's generating, they say, it's generating this anxiety and this feeling of loneliness in us where we're wanting to be part of something and feeling like we can't. And that's, that's huge for me. And the second point I was going to make about it is just how it does affect our relationships. Because I heard this TED talk recently, and the guy was just pointing out that the fact that internet is for free in a sense, is a real danger or a risk because we're kind of entrusting our relationships to entities or organizations who are having to try to make money from our interactions with each other. So we're allowing our relationships and the way Mm -hmm. we communicate to be directed by people who are trying to find ways of making money out of that and, and making it a consumer thing, which obviously changes the way we communicate and the way we relate. He was even advocating, this TED Talk guy was advocating, saying, we need to change, reinvent internet. We need to start paying for the internet. Like we pay for Netflix or whatever, pay a monthly fee so that the social media you know, machines are not trying to make it this addictive hit thing where that's, you know, yeah, but but people are but people yeah. are addicted to Netflix though. You have the whole binge yeah. watching thing, which yeah. is another point. So I don't know. But if, no, it does because it's really not it's not about relationships. Except they That's get the more thing. money. It's, it's like you don't want the way you communicate with your friend yeah. to be paying for the by service. A consumer thing. That's the point he was making. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think yeah. it's the, the whole community part of this conversation is complex because well, I mean, first of all, studies show that. 
clearly show that we are getting increasingly lonelier. I mean, it's just it's just obvious. I mean, these studies are specific to the U.S., but the Cygnus study, the famous study that everyone started mm-hmm. quoting that came out a few years ago, says that nearly half of all Americans report sometimes are always feeling lonely or left out, similar to what you said. Uh, one in four Americans rarely or never feel as though they are people who there are people who really understand them. And then it says that Gen Z, so those aged between 18 and 22, are statistically the loneliest generation. Um, so you have this this loneliness, and I don't think it's, you know, I don't want to make a, a perfect corollary, but I think a lot of it has to do with social media. But one thing that I found really interesting, this woman I quote all the time, Sherry Turkle, this MIT professor, she says that it's this weird, vicious cycle, because what happens is we we grow up anxious about relationships and community, like everyone does. Right, it's a difficult thing that we have to navigate, making connections. Um, but then, by turning to the online world to find those, we become less good at making relationships. That then just furthers the problem. I mean, she says in her book, these days, insecure in our relationships and anxious about intimacy, we look to technology for ways to be in relationships and protect ourselves from them at the same time. So it's like we become more and more incapable of creating good relationships, which then means our only really option to do it is online. And so I think, mm. I think that's a little bit part of it here that, that social media and, and sort of the superficiality of the relationships is robbing us of the necessary stuff, of the vulnerability, of the authenticity that is required to have relationships in the first place. It's just so much easier. I mean, I have I've, I have friends older than me who have older kids, and it's like they'll say their kids come over and they don't even talk to each other. Right, right. And, and it's because they're, they're – it's just easier forms of interaction. Yeah. I mean, but it's not just with, I mean, I see that in our, in our band when we're on tour, yeah. when we get to a hotel or something, instead of everyone, because we're traveling in different vehicles, when everyone gets there, instead of talking to each other, everyone is on their phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, so a, there's conversations. There's a book that I highly recommend that I'm holding up to Matt, <laughs> who's not looking at me. Uh, uh, <laughs> the book is called Tech Wise Family. Uh, it's by Andy Crouch. Sorry, I had to turn it around. Um, very practical book. He worked for Barna for a long time. Might even still work for them. Not sure. Um, but one thing he, in a very simple quote, he said, I want a life of conversation and friendship, not distraction and entertainment. And that kind of encapsulates a lot of it. It's funny, like you said, tour, David, because for me, tour is a is a very interesting lens through which to view the rise of social media because uh, because I'm older than I'm not like a Gen Z I have kind of done 12 years of touring the first half of which was before all of this and the second half of which has been after and during all of this and it's just it's amazing to watch the difference like you said we reflexively resort to entertainment and distraction rather than conversation because conversation takes work, because it takes, uh, it's vulnerable, it's authentic. Um, and yet the most meaningful moments on tour for me are those when I have that deep conversation with the person next to me, as opposed to burying myself in another Instagram post or whatever. Um, so it's right. been, it, it, I do think that there's an element of um, this this being contributing to the greatest felt need of, of the global youth culture. I mean, Luke, we talk about that, mm-hmm. that, that loneliness is a huge need or felt need of the global youth culture is this isn't social media part of of fueling that definitely for sure i mean like one comment on just that thing of the relationships i think we even feel guilty like you know chad was saying felt guilty not sharing the stuff as a missionary Mm -hmm. i think it seems to me like we also start feeling guilty when we're not uh when we're just hanging out and not doing much from from the perspective you know like i just spent a couple of weeks in brazil and I grew up in Brazil. I feel more Brazilian than anything else. And one of the things I love about the culture is that um, it's a lot more inclined for people to be able to have the time to just hang out and talk and, and just spend time together. And so I you know, was staying at friend's house and um, I spent hours just talking to my friends and I hadn't done that for a while. And I, I, I get this feeling of, of guilt, like, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm spending, I've just spent hours talking to somebody instead of doing something work or like being on the computer. And I think we need to not feel that way because we're, if anything, we're definitely erring on, on the side of not spending enough time with people in more in depth relationship. And we need to do that more. Um, But I, I think it does affect loneliness. It also, another characteristic we talk about in global, about the global youth culture is that it affects our passion. 
or mm. our desire, our bit like our focus to do something to change something. Because this thing of moving, like I think the quote you said there was being more into entertainment than than um, real relationships. The fact that we're constantly flicking through one thing to another and, and the entertainment aspect is it, it just um, it stops you from really pursuing stuff. There's um, there's this author called Bauman, and he says um, in this chase after new Zygmunt. desires, Zygmunt Bauman, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, Love in this again. chase after new desires, rather than after their satisfaction, there's no obvious finishing line. And it creates this thing in us huh. where we're always jumping from one thing to the next, and we're never going deep into it and really, really like developing a relationship or developing ourselves in, in a certain way. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and I think one of the subheadings I have is that social media creates a false sense of self. And even this sad, again, back to tour. I I was sharing this with with Steve I'm pretty sure and lamenting the fact that we no longer can just enjoy a moment. Mm. Like what happened to the days when when it's something funny or interesting or profound would happen and we just enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we just right, shared right. in that moment there was no sense of this needs to be captured or recreate that or hold up like let me quickly grab my phone you know and eventually it's you know I was talking to Matt our videographer it's probably going to get to the point where that lag time will not exist because I can just tell my brain to hit record and some <laughs> thing that's wired into me will, mm. um, which would be very convenient for funny yeah. moments when people f- slip and fall and stuff. But anyway, um, <laughs> the point is I, I hate that, but also it's this pressure to present a version of yourself. People talk about that all the time. Um, and, and also the, the sad reality that, that they can't even necessarily compete and so they rather create sort of this fictitious version of themselves than to just live in authenticity around them and in community I mean, again back to sherry turkle she writes online better than nothing can become better than something or better than anything not surprisingly people report feeling let down when they move from the virtual to the real world it is not uncommon to see people fidget for their smartphones looking for virtual places where they might once again be more hmm. and again it's like people get trapped into they trade the messiness of the real thing and what it takes to actually develop a skill or, or think deeply on something or develop a real relationship. And they'd rather just have this, this kind of fast paced, superficial false front. And, and the, I th- again, back to the cycle, I think the more you invest there, the more it, it makes it hard to step into the messiness of real life and go, eh, I think I'll just trade for the virtual. And I think that's what's happening more and more. And it's tragic. Right, David? Yeah, it is. And I, and I think that's why you have the loneliness. I think you also have an epidemic in the whole suicide rate around the world, yeah. like, like with Generation Z, not just Z, but the millennial. I mean, it's just, it's really, really tragic. And so I guess, you know, you have to treat it like a, like a, you have to be very intentional about how you, you use social media. I mean, because also I feel the pressure. People want to know what I'm doing you know, because of what I do. So I have to be posting, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, well, how do you handle that, that kind of stuff? I, I don't know. I, but I do know that you, you gotta be but, intentional but here, here's about the problem, it. And I, and, and this might be a whole nother discussion and I want to segue this and bring you in Chad, but the, the, I think by definition, social media, it's very superficial. And so the things that we're the, the sort of things that we're sharing, I think it's all predicated on just quick and easy and it's not deep and it's not profound. You know, we take some picture of ourselves squatting in the forest and, and Google <laughs> some inspirational quote, mash them together and pretend it's inspiring. And it's I think the, the very medium of social media does not lend itself towards depth. It doesn't lend itself towards long format deep thinking and it, it kind of wants the things that get liked are, are I think generally more superficial but segueing to I think a, a deep um, pain point on this for people and that's their families right not everyone mm-hmm. listening to this podcast has families but I would imagine a lot do they have wives or husbands or and kids and man as a father of a three-year-old and a seven-month-old daughter I this to me is like ugh. Right, the the whole dynamic, the impact that this is having on the family. The the National Institute of Health is, as we speak, conducting a uh, uh, experiment, which is a horrible expression in my <laughs> opinion, 
um, on human lab rats of 11,000 nine and 10 year olds. And it's going to take, they're going to follow them for 10 years. Um, and they're going to, they continually scan their brains and they assess their screen usage. Um, <laughs> and one of the doctors involved, his name is Dr. Dowling. He said something on this interview that just hit me like, oh, he said, we're in the midst of a natural kind of uncontrolled experiment on the next generation of children. Mm. Oh, right. And mm. that's how I feel. I feel like we don't even know what it's doing. We kind of sense it's mm-hmm. bad and we're scrambling for answers and our kids are the lab rats in all of this. So, Chad, what, mm. what do we what do we do in light of I mean, your kids are in a different stage of mind, but what do you what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it starts with us as dads modeling to our kids what healthy yeah. screen time and, and social media interaction and all that looks like. And um, and, and knowing that um, it, it isn't all bad or, or if it was, I don't think any of us uh, or many of us would not be there. There, there are healthy connections, healthy um, really amazing opportunities to be had through it all. But uh, I think just modeling, you know, a, a level of, of if I bring my phone to the dinner table, which I can do, whether it's to check a text message, enter calories, um, look, look something up, see who called any of those things. I'm obviously communicating to the rest of the family that, that they are now taking a back seat on the priority of, my my time and my energy and so to just leave my phone away and alone and to not mess with it during dinner or during different times and then just being for me it's just helped um to try to be more proactive in converse as a conversationalist with my own kids and like looking at them um trying to get time with them what asking them specific questions digging for answers because I think one of the things that happens in social media, especially, is that you post, it's like you were saying, Ben, you, you post something and then you, you're just looking for a quick reaction, a quick fix, a quick, oh, this person liked it, or this, oh, cool, I, I hit X amount of uh, followers, or there's something that you're maybe hoping for, and it's it, it rarely is a true two-way street, heartfelt connection. Is it is social media, is it really a safe place? For me to be 100% honest, vulnerable, transparent, and I would argue that it's absolutely not. Although in some cases, it's it might be really healthy to post certain things, but uh, I think I'm just well, and at what expense? Right, right, right. I mean, at what cost? Because we don't exactly. have unlimited time, and it says the average person is spending just about four hours connected to something a day. Yes. Think about that. I mean, think about applying that to a practical skill. Yeah. Imagine if I spent half that time learning piano every day. I mean, like, even just from a human level, what a ridiculous waste. And the problem is social media especially by definition requires constant attention. Mm -hmm. The people that are good at social media never stop. Right. It's like never ending. And I find myself sucked in at times. And it's like, because I'm a competitive person, because I want you know, I want to be successful at the things I invest in. I can find myself sucked back into that. And like, but man, it is a, ah, I, I, the anxiety that it produces in me. But, but again, back to the kids. I mean, some of the, the initial results of these, of this study by the, uh, by the NIH um, national Institute of health, it, they show that it, it starts to um, thin. There's a thinning of the cortex that for kids that are, are, are doing at least six hours of more of screen time. And this is one of the things that happens as you age, the outer layer of your brain starts to thin and they're starting really? to show evidence that this is starting to prematurely age the brain. Basically mm-hmm. um, there's, you know, kids of, who have two or more hours of screen time a day had lower scores in thinking and language. Um, one thing that the study said was that you should be far more concerned about your infant than your teenager. That, that zero to two is just, incredibly, incredibly mm. important in terms of the development as a kid. And really, they should see nothing of a screen at all, at all, before 24 months. And one thing, again, that this Andy Crouch said that I thought was quite interesting is we most often give our children screens not to make their lives easier, but to make <laughs> yeah. our lives easier, yep. right? And that's the truth. I mean, that's part sure. of it is it's just – it's that kind of this will work if all else fails. The problem is the all else fails shrinks – and tell it's, well, this will work. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, Luke, as the father of young children, I mean, how, have you struggled with this? What have been your mm-hmm. approaches to this? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, thankfully, my wife is smarter than me. And so she she had this rule. I'd never heard that, what you just said about the zero to two. But she had that rule where she was like, before two, they're not watching cartoons. They're not watching screens that, you know, they can play or whatever. So oh, my kids had it from zero to two. They, they didn't. But after that, you know, it's like how to how to set limits on how much it's okay for them to watch. Like my eight-year-old will come home from from school and he'll do his homework because in Poland there's tons of homework when he's eight years old so he's up to like six in the afternoon doing his homework seven at night and then he's like I'm so tired can I just watch a cartoon and so usually I you know we'll let him watch a cartoon and stuff like that but it's right. setting limits and on another podcast we did about video games I was talking about how you know he's got this video game so we've set this limit like you can play on a Saturday you know on a weekend and I think it's really important to set those limits you can't yeah. we can't isolate our kids from it we need to talk about it, and like Chad was saying, the importance, and then setting limits, and and then setting the example, and that is really hard. And I feel um, like I, uh, yeah. I'm not a perfect example in this. I've seen, you know, my boy Daniel, he'll always be saying, "Dad, when can I get a phone?" He's eight, and I've said, you know, I don't want you. There's no reason why you should have a phone. Like, you don't need one. But he's seeing me and and my wife on the phone quite often during the day because that's how we work. That's we're answering calls. We're answering messages so he sees that and he's going well you guys are on the phone a lot why don't i have a phone so it's really challenging um i think that it it is definitely we need wisdom we need prayer we need to say god how do we deal with this now but we i do think as parents we should be setting clear limits and making making that clear for our kids like why uh, explaining it saying you know there's good things in it but there's there's also bad things and there's addiction and you that's why we have these rules and I think that yeah. that helps. And a lot of his friends don't, of my son's friends, they don't have those rules. And he's actually said to me a few times, like how he sees the difference. He's like, wow, my friends, they play video games all the time and they don't get their homework done. And, and he, he can tell the difference. And I think that's really important that he can, he can yeah. see that and understand why it's important. Yeah, and it, it's worth mentioning that we will be talking about pornography um, at, in the future here. We, we are hoping to have Cy Rogers on with us in person, actually. And so he is an amazing speaker on this, and so we want to get his perspective. So it's not that we are ignoring this uh, huge elephant in the room. Pornography is obviously a major problem with uh, the advent of the Internet and the smartphone, et cetera. Um, yeah, one thing I've heard, a quote I've heard before is, your kids won't always listen to you, but they will definitely imitate you. Mm-hmm. And th- mm-hmm. that's scary. Yeah. yeah. Right? That's scary because if my mouth is saying, don't yeah. be distracted, but my life is saying, dad's taking a peek at his phone every two seconds, that's going to be the thing that my son does. Mm. And so this has to begin with me. And this has to begin with a, we've got to, this is serious. This is serious. And, and like, I mean, you know, that quote I said about how these kids are lab rats, we're just bigger lab rats in the same experiment. Honestly, I don't think we even really realize how subtly and rapidly this whole thing came upon us. And I'm not making an excuse, but it's hard. I mean, we never know. We didn't get a manual for this stuff. It just hit us. Mm. And, and there's a Google manager who his name is former Google manager named Tristan Harris. And he's one of the first people to come out and publicly say that apps are actually being designed to capture the attention of children intentionally. Mm, Like they're actually have initiatives to how can we capture and retain the attention of children. And in this interview it was talking about how apps, there are a thousand engineers that are daily updating these kids apps based on user information, based on things they're getting from you, whether you know it or not, to make them more and more and more seductive and holding your attention because they know, I mean, kids are their next billions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so they're they're oh, And so, man, we have got to be conscious of this because mm. it's, it's an, it's a terrible thing. I mean, one last little part of this, and we had one of our survey comments say, don't cut off a good discussion. I feel like this is a good <laughs> discussion, so I'm not going to yeah. cut it off. What, David, have you noticed that the that this has affected even your ability to think? I mean, that that's a funny concept, but even your brain, do you feel that impact that, that the internet and social media has had on you? Yeah, for sure. Because one of the things that if you want to uh, have a deeper relationship with God is meditation. Yeah. Where you, where you really contemplate, where you really have silence. Uh, I think we've recognized that in our in our school in Germany, that's why we have uh, internet. We have no internet. That's the idea. That's what we try to do for 10 weeks, which is like super traumatic for everyone. 
Uh, and it worked but, way better before the the smartphones came out, right? Because now it's like well, so. Yeah, well, well, absolutely. So it's a, it's a. But I, yeah, I've noticed that in my own life. Like even when I'm trying to to hear from God or or uh, study uh, something in the Bible, I can, it's so so much more difficult. I have to like just go away somewhere. I have to go for a, a get away from it. You know the whole thing because I think that's really a. a like lack of deep meditation, yeah. hearing from God, uh, that's that's a big issue. I think. Yeah, and well, I and there's there's really... there's neuroscience to support that. I mean, a book I've constantly talked about on this podcast is The Shallows by Nicholas Carr, C A R R, and he talks about the neuroplasticity of our brains and that he talks about the the science of how our brains are actually being rewired. And he says when we go online, we enter an environment that promotes cursory reading hurried and distracted thinking and superficial learning. And he talks about even his own journey as a writer, how, you know, I've used this quote before, but he used to, in reference to his own reading, he used to plumb the depths like a scuba diver. And now he skims the surface like a a jet skier and how he just finds himself. He can't, you know, he used to be able to lose himself in a book for an hour and really think about deep subjects and, and, and reflect on, on important things. And, and he, he goes into the science of how that's how real learning happens mm. in those concentrated moments of deliberate thought and attention and how even the way that, you know, everything in the internet is about click, 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 move, 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 more yeah. ads, more screens, more, more websites. Everything about it is designed, like he said, for cursory reading, hurried and distracted thinking and superficial learning. Again, there are examples to the contrary. You can go and listen to brilliant Yale lectures on YouTube and all that. I get that. But I think as a whole, as a medium, because like you said, Luke, it's not free because there is a there is a reason that they want you on their sites, though it may seem free. Nothing's ever free. Right. right. You should be skeptical about anything that appears to be free because you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. You just might not know how yet. It might just be with your data. Um but I don't know about you guys, Luke, Chad, have you well, guys experienced this sort of superficiality in your own thinking? Yeah, and I'd say the area that I've experienced it the most is the area that David was starting to talk about there, which which is the area of prayer and seeking God. Because, I mean, and of course, in things like reading a book and stuff like that, you know, there, it definitely affects us. I can't go as deep often because of the amount of distraction. But the area I have felt this whole subject hit me the most is in my prayer life. Because... Yeah. Prayer, for prayer in, a, in some senses for me, praying is like fighting. It's, it demands my focus, my attention, and, and, and my energy. Like It's something where I'm bringing everything before God, and it's like I join Him in spiritual warfare, in, um, yeah. in walking through stuff that affects eternity, that affects the world around me. Prayer is this incredible thing that we can engage in, but it dem- to really pray, it demands my whole being, my whole mind, my whole focus to go yeah. and to be and to seek deep. And this, the way things work now with social media, with communications, has definitely affected me with that. It's mm-hmm. it takes it seems to me to take way longer to get my mind from stop being distracted, from stop thinking about a hundred things at the same time, and to really focus down on prayer, on listening to God, and on figuring out Mm. what's on His heart. What am I supposed to pray about? Um, I'm just thinking about things all the time. And you start praying for one thing, and then I'm like, oh man, I forgot to message that person and tell them about this. So then I'm Mm -hmm. messaging them, telling them in the middle of my prayer time. And I'm like, oh, you know, the only way it works is doing what David said, which is walking away from it or leaving your phone at home and going and praying. And if there's anything I think people should get out of this podcast today, this this episode, is man, we've got to not, that stuff has got to be turned off if we're going to really seek God. And that's, I think, the worst area it will hit us in. Well, this and the yep. scary thing, Luke, and, and then Chad, I'll get your comment. Is sure we can walk away from the technology, but if the technology has rewired our brains, mm-hmm. we can't walk away from ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And the, the scary thing is that there is this isn't like some spiritual language. This is science, and and I think the more we slip into superficial thinking, the more we slip into multitasking, into five minutes of this, five minutes of that, we rob ourselves of the the mechanisms that the, the stuff required for deep prayer for deep meditation and we have to recover that like i'm reading another book called grit by this brilliant psychologist who talks all about 
what extraordinary people, how do they get extraordinary? And, and the big premise is talent doesn't matter as much as perseverance. But the secondary thought is one thing they all had in common is deliberate practice, mm. deliberate practice, 100% focus on leaning into the part of them that was weak and saying, I'm putting all of my attention for this allotted time mm. to improving this area. That's cool. Because so much of, you know, there's that idea that you, you meet someone and they played guitar for 30 years, kind of like myself, and they still suck. And it's because they never had periods of deliberate, hard focus. And I think what we got to be careful of in our relationship with Jesus is, be, is because as, we, as our minds atrophy and our ability to press in to fight, like you said, Luke, we lose that inadvertently by the consumption of this technology. And then we just skim across the surface with our relationship with God because we've lost the very mechanism required to dig in and to press in. Now, that being said, there is a pushing through. Uh, the pilgrims would talk about, uh, I don't know, something to the effect of punching, punching, through, punching the through the awkward. <laughs> Similar, <laughs> but nice. a lot more profound. That right, was another right. pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like where there is a degree of fighting through just the human thing of the spiritual battle and the human thing of being distracted. Yep. But man, I think yep. the the day and age we live in is not helping. And we better harness, you know, we better rein it in. Uh, before it sucks us away. It's kind of my thoughts. You're right. Uh, totally. Rain it Chad, in what do you before think? it sucks us yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, my my comment would be along the same lines as David and Luke. And it was funny as I heard them both share this challenge of like praying and Bible reading and the distraction of social media and a phone. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I can exactly. I can totally relate with that. I mean, it's this year. One of my goals has been to spend an hour the first thing I do, make make coffee, spend an hour with Jesus. Combination of prayer, meditation, Bible reading, Bible memorizing, speaking in tongues. Like, Colombian eh, eh. dark roast. Yeah, dark roast. Dark roast. But but uh, I realized that when I first set that goal back in January, that my heart really wasn't God at all. My heart was to look, begin going through Instagram. Same old thing. Like, oh, let me, or let me pop up Facebook real quick. And... I just had to either set my phone aside or just like, man, I can't do this. This is the Lord's time. And this is time that I said I wanted to give to him. I can't allow my phone to interfere with that. Um, and thankfully, God's given me a lot of grace in that area. And I feel really strong there. But uh, it, it has been a challenge without a doubt. And so I think that if anything, maybe yeah. the 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 moral of all of this conversation is for anyone which is probably everyone struggling through the same thing is just um be willing to set god ahead of your your desire for for supposed connectivity or or some uh you know sense of meaning um uh, that really isn't there anyway in your phone uh, or in um social media and so uh, yeah so that's yeah. Cool. it was actually cool to hear me uh, to to hear everyone else saying the same thing. Let me let me just because we could go on for a while. Let, let me close with a couple of practical responses to this because I think all of us could give them. Um, I, I think the first thing I think is take stock of your own life in this area and invite Jesus in to challenge you. I think that's the first place to start. Be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. What am I? Don't. It's not funny. You know, we kind of laugh about it. I laugh about it. Oh, I'm on my phone all the time. Six hours. A day. I think take sober-minded assessment of your own life and say, what, how am I truly in this area? And then invite Jesus in and say, Jesus, what do you feel about this? How would you, if the point of this podcast is to be radical followers of Jesus, we, we got to get this part right. This is a major tactic of the enemy, I think. Yeah. Uh, the second one is don't do what everyone else does. You know, and, and again, I steal this from Andy Crouch, but he talks about his kids saying, well, my friends and my this we don't do what everyone else does. We're not called to be like everybody else. And that's not an arrogant thing. That's just saying we have different standards. Mm. We follow a different King. We have a different model. And so reject that sort of, I, well, comparing yourself to the lowest common denominator, I guess is my point and say, God, what are your standards for me? And then I think third, create a plan. Do not, you cannot do this unplanned. You've got to Think through how, when, and how much you consume. Your your phone should have a bedtime and it should have an awake time. Your phone should go to bed before you do and it, you should wake up before it does. You should discipline your phone in that way. Um, create a, you know, one thing Andy, again, Andy Crouch says, create a house of creators, not consumers. I love that. 
Let's not have a how. I want my kids to be creators. I want them to invent and build and make dumb videos like I did when I was a kid and do all this stuff. I don't want them to just consume, consume nonsense, consume entertainment. Um, build in fast. So you already mentioned this, Chad, but we should have weekly, monthly, and annual fasts from this stuff. And I don't know what that is for you, um, but I feel like you need that. I think I need that. Um, and so, so I just want to end with this challenge. Um, I, I want everyone listening. It's ironic because we use social media, and so it's kind of ironic. Don't you post on our page, but do check out social media to get to this podcast. Yeah. Dang it. I don't know if this challenge is going to be self-defeating or not, but take a week off from social media. Take a week off from social media. A week? A entire week. And then... Ironically, post about it on our community <laughs> page. Ah! Uh, and tell us what you yeah. observed, what changes you felt, how God spoke to you in those uh, redeemed hours, um, and and maybe it could could kind of set a reset reset button for you. Does work in your life. does work count as a as a social media? You know what I mean? Like stuff you have to do. As far I as again, work. I I don't know your work, but for me, I can live with that. Like my work's on email, not social media. And again, we can get into the, all the quibbles about what is online and not online what's work and not work that's not the point that's not the okay the heart is the heart do it as you feel led as is reasonable within your life be honest and i think god will lead you to the challenge he wants you to take Mm -hmm. both us and our listeners so anyway this was a great conversation a little bit longer than normal but i think that's okay um i think that you heard our hearts on this and i think you can also see quite clearly that we don't have this figured out completely we're this is a work in progress for me, and I daily need God's grace to figure out how to respond to this avalanche of of stuff, of data and connectivity. So anyway, thank you for listening. Um, please share this. Word of mouth is still a great way for people to hear about this. If you know someone, if this has encouraged you or challenged you, share it with somebody else, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to Provoke and Inspire, the official Come and Live podcast. To hear past podcasts, go to comeandlive.com. Got a question for the guys? Send it in to provokeandinspire at comeandlive.com.